Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Stockout, a show about CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG companies' supply chains. I'm your host, Mike Bowdendissel of FreightWaves. I'm an analyst and market expert here at FreightWaves, and I've recent, recently taken to following the CPG industry more closely by writing a, a bi-weekly newsletter called The Stockout, uh, where I go through uh, the latest issues in the CPG industry, as well as uh, you know, rel- rel- relevant transportation uh, news items and, and try to put those two things together in uh, 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 an addition that will you know, be helpful to those companies in the, in the CPG industry, as well as others uh, with an interest in transportation, logistics, brokerage, et cetera. Uh, today, uh, what I'm planning to do is go through some of the latest news in the CPG industry, particularly those items that are uh, relevant for supply chains, logistics, and transportation. And then I'll talk a little bit about some of the industry themes that have really stood, stood out to me uh, when I've gone through uh, some of the company's you know, earnings reports and, and, and some of the, the industry trade racks. Uh, but, but before I do that, a word from our sponsor. Trust the experts at Echo Global Logistics for all your freight transportation and CPG shipping needs. Whether you are a Fortune 100 CPG company or a specialty food manufacturer, Echo has solutions to fit your needs. With their dedicated team, as well as Echo Ship, a self-service shipping portal, allowing you to quote, book, ship, and track, Echo has you covered. Technology at your fingertips and ex- experts by your side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To find out how Echo can simplify your transportation management, visit www.echo.com forward slash CPG today. Thank you to Echo for sponsoring that. I was was pumped when I heard that Echo uh, was sponsoring it. Used to follow them uh, at Stiefel and actually visited uh, their uh, headquarters one time in downtown Chicago. It seemed like it was just about the most energetic transportation uh, logistics company I had been to. It seemed like the average age was about 25 and people were were having a a good time in addition to to, to working hard. So thank you to to Echo. Um, So on to the the CPG uh, content. So Sort of one of the questions I get asked a lot um, you know, by uh, clients is why we have so many podcasts and, and shows. And um, you know, the, the client asks, you know, how, how could anyone have time to listen to all the content that we're putting out? And my response was, well, you, know, you can listen to it on, on you know, drive to work. You can listen to it you know, at the gym. Um, you know, I think about five or six Freight Waves podcasts you know, go on my you know device every day. And it's like, you know, as long as you're working out for three hours a day, like you should be, then you have plenty of time to, to, to listen to all these podcasts, uh, you know, while you work out. Um, but, but all kidding aside, really, the reason why we're doing this one and why we do so many is to make them, you know, targeted to the specific audience as possible. And, you know, this one is uh, going to be one of the more targeted podcasts. I think some of the others are a little bit, are a little bit broader like uh, some of the ones that I was on earlier this week. Um, but with CPG specifically, um, you know, CPG, um, you know, consumer packaged goods, for those of you who found your way here from another uh, FreightWaves podcast, those are you know, food, beverages, cosmetics, uh, cleaning, and other household products. They're things that are replenished that we buy over, again, over, over and over again, um, you know, a couple times every week. Most people you know, buy these, these products. They're heavy, uh, you know, think of, of beverages. They're difficult to miniaturize. It's hard to download a hamburger or a steak. And a lot of these are manufactured domestically. I mean, you manufacture things domestically. A lot of times they, get, they have multiple you know, points of handling, multiple different you know, stages 
within a supply chain. Uh, so those things make the industry you know, more, more freight intensive than it would otherwise be. Another interesting stat is CPG represents about one fifth of all freight moves, and um, you know a lot, of, a large portion of the delivered cost of CPG, you know, is represented by its freight and logistics costs because these are big, you know, bulky, heavy things that gets purchased again and again. It's sort of the antithesis of a computer, or really the antithesis of, of something that you you might download, which is getting to be you know distribution for for a lot of products these days. Um, and really, you know, CPG has uh, become more under uh is has been more in the limelight i think in the last year it's it's been under more more scrutiny because um you know covid in the last year you know we had these you know stockouts of things like you know toilet paper we had you know grocery store shelves that were cleared out and then all of a sudden people who you know never you know sort of took these products for granted all of a sudden are you know wondering you know where are they going to get some of these things and had to make decisions about you know purchasing you know items they don't typically purchase. Uh, it gave really a lot of the CPG companies a way to uh, attract consumers who may not be accustomed to, you know, doing a lot of cooking, doing a lot of shopping, a lot of those difficult to reach millennials. All of a sudden, um, you know, it, it, gave, it gave them sort of a captive audience to attract a lot of those, a lot of those customers, you know, for the first time. And a lot of CPG companies have done really well with that. I mean, I think one of the, the big trends in the last year have been the national brands. A lot of these household uh, household names have actually gained, you know, market share uh, from the, the the private the, the private brands, you know, the, the, the private labels. You know, private labels are things you think of like the the uh, Kirkland brand at Costco or the Up and Up brand at at Target. You know, those have been very successful. But in the past year, I think uh, you know maybe with you know people not spending money, um, you know, going out, they, they they felt a little bit more comfortable buying the. A little bit more expensive brand names, or, or just as a way to, to comfort themselves, you know, shifted back to some of those some of those national brands. So, so those are so a lot of the companies that 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 are you know are included in the national brands as well as, as, as some of the ones that are actually supplied to the the private labels. Those are the companies that I'm hoping to make this show relevant for, and I hope you find something um, you know in, you know something helpful you know in, in some of this data. And I think the you know the advantage that that we have at Freight Waves is that. You know, I can leverage uh, a lot of the expertise of my colleagues here at FreightWaves who have uh, been involved in transportation, pricing, logistics, brokers, uh, brokerage, et cetera, for a long period of time. A lot of those, um, you know, people have actually moved this freight in, in uh, you know, throughout their career. You know, I was, you know, just just an analyst following following numbers, but a lot of my colleagues actually have uh, experience in the field, uh, you know, having moved these loads for, you know, the big CPT companies, companies like Nestle and and, and Pepsi, and then the other thing that I think is is going to be uh, a differentiator with this podcast is going to be leveraging the data that we have um, in uh, contained in sonar that that we you know purchase from suppliers. And and what you're looking at here on the screen is a sample of um, and, and this is maybe the, the best example I can I can you know come up with for as to why CPG companies had a difficult time in the last year. With with freight costs and you know, companies that have been reporting their their earnings recently have been talking about inflation and I think it's going to be a theme going forward. But what we're seeing on the chart here is the outbound tender rejection index for dry van in blue and for reefer in green. And you know you typically think of a market where there's a lot of of uh, spot activity when those rates go above 
say seven, eight percent. Um, so there's always you know some you know rejections where the, the carriers say you know we don't have capacity to handle that load either because we're not in a certain market or because there's a you know the, the price isn't right um, or you know et cetera. Um, but you know you can see how it went from you know early 2020 the market pretty well behaved sort of mid a single digit tender rejection rate there was enough capacity and then all of a sudden last March. Uh, the you know capacity for transportation was extremely was extremely short. You know some of that was because you know some people decided to stay home and not drive a truck, and you're not paying me enough to drive a truck when there's this pandemic. But but for the most part, it was you know in in March people you know scrambled to to get their groceries, you know to fill their freezers, to prepare for this lockdown, and a pretty consistent pattern has been you know, the reefer market has been tighter. Than the van market, and there's been a lot of reasons for that. Part of that's because there's been greater demand for frozen foods, um, and, you know, things like uh, you know, frozen frozen meats, which have done extremely well uh, over the over the last year. Um, but but also, I think a lot of the capacity that has come into the marketplace over the past six months. And I was just doing another um, you know webinar on this for the Passport Research Group, and we took a, a hard look at which um, you know, which segments, um, you know, have capacity coming into the marketplace. And what we found was that there was a lot of that capacity was coming from small uh, carriers. A lot of it was coming from uh, company drivers who decided because the, the transportation markets were so tight over the past, uh, you know, several months that they decided to go out on their own as an owner operator. And that has done things like, you know, push up the, um, the prices for, for, for used trucks. Um, this next uh, slide is another thing that uh, the CPG companies have had to deal with. And so not only are more of the tendered loads, sort of the CPG um, companies that are requesting loads to be moved, not only are more of those being rejected um, and, and falling through to the spot market, as you might expect, the spot rates to move those loads is very elevated relative to, to, to where it was. You think about this time last year and the the loads that were falling the spot market they could still be moved still be moved on the spot market you know for about two dollars a mile including fuel surcharge so you know it was it was getting tighter but it wasn't yet a disaster and 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 lately it's been a little bit more of a disaster where uh, the the average uh, rate nationwide is three dollars and eighteen cents for a drive-in load it's three dollars and sixty six cents for a reefer load um, that's according to trucks truckstop.com those are spot rates so those are those are Loads that you know mostly started out as contract uh, contract loads, but the the carriers re, you know rejected the the, the tenders and, and so they fell to the to the spot rates and and so a lot of uh, the the carriers have you know taken advantage of that by moving um, loads at very high at very high rates and 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 some of the ones that, that participate less in the spot market would be someone like um, you know Martin Transportation who recently followed their uh, earnings report and the way that they approach the market. You know, Martin is, is one of the biggest uh, reefer carriers. It's the only reefer carrier that's publicly traded. But their response to the market was, let's upgrade our freight selection and, and let's only accept the, the freight that fits well into the network, that's highly rated, that is not going to have a lot of downtime for that um, you know, expensive uh, you know, equipment, which is the, the, the trailer in the, in the case of reefer and the, the, the short, uh, scarce resource, which is, which is the driver. So They've done a nice job of, you know, taking advantage of this market to to improve their um, to improve their margins. Of course, for the CPG company, this has been very challenging. 
um, with with rates that are that are rising, and that's been a, a pretty consistent theme that I'm going to get into um, when I talk about what's happening lately in the uh, CPG uh, you know, space. So that's a little bit of an intro, and now I'm going to go into the news. And uh, you know what I do with the newsletter is, um, you know, I look for stories that aren't just sort of the stories that are the biggest headlines for CPG, although I will talk about some of those, uh, but also the ones that are related specifically to, you know, supply chains. Um, so I'm going to focus a little bit less on things like, you know, M&A or a company getting acquired by private equity. You do see that a lot. You see a lot of companies that will, you know, sell brands, buy brands. A lot of the companies in the CPG space are looking to add brands that um, you know, have sort of a quote-unquote halo effect where this is a healthy brand. They're trying to get rid of brands that aren't healthy. Um, they're, they're trying to get, you know, you know, get, get brands that are, are in growing you know, niches like um, you know, you know, things like you know, plant-based foods and, and pet foods is, is actually been the, the fastest growing uh, sub-segment of, of the food and, and beverage industry you know, lately with people, more people adopting you know, pets during the, the pandemic. Um, but I got I've got seven items on uh, on the list of uh, news stories. Uh, the first one um, you know came out a couple of day, day or two ago. Uh, the the ketchup shortage is the latest uh, you know shortage of uh, you know CPG. So you know we started out uh, last uh, year with you know at this time we were toilet paper shortages and shortages of meat and 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 those things and milk was going bad and you know we've almost seems like we've come full circle where people have have uh, adapted to. Uh, the takeout and people are door dashing and being door dashed too, and uh, this has left a, a shortage of those single serving, you know, packet, you know, you know packets of, of of ketchup. And then the people who are going to restaurants, they are not um, so much stocking the shared, you know, ketchup jars that you know a table would use or would go from one table to the next. They're sort of sticking with those those packets, and now the packets are in short supply. And actually, the prices of those packets are up thirteen percent in the last, you know, year or so. Um, in the in the, the Packet, uh, you know, usage is up about fifteen percent, and that's you know caused a shortage. Kraft Heinz is, uh, of course, the biggest um, manufacturer of, uh, of of ketchup. They have about seventy percent share, and you know they've been increasing you know manufacturing uh, you know the, their manufacturing lines. Um, you know, they've they've added about three different lines. They've increased their total production about twenty five percent, and then shifted some of the existing resources, you know, to the um, you know to the single serving you know, packets and and so that's it's kind of a, a theme that's 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 taken place throughout the, um, the the CPG space over the past year. You think back a year ago, and you know at the same time it was difficult to find you know a lot of places uh, you know beer that was in cans or bottles, but at the same time you know stadiums were were dumping uh, kegs of beer. So it was just almost the, the the packaging that was you know that was wrong, things spoiling and things in, in short supply. You know, at the same time, I think it'll be interesting to see how that all unwinds uh, when things start, you know, opening up again. And then another theme is that a lot of the CPG companies are struggling with how much manufacturing capacity to add because a lot of these products, uh, most of these products, are manufactured domestically, and that's been sort of the the big constraint. It hasn't been so much the the inputs like it has for the um, the auto industry, where they just haven't had the components to assemble a vehicle. Uh, in the CPG space, there's been a shortage of manufacturing capacity, and so the companies have had to make uh, difficult decisions about how much manufacturing capacity uh, to, to to add back. So that first you know story I think is interesting with the with the with the ketchup shortage. I guess another thing I didn't know from the Wall Street Journal article where they where they you know talked about that was 
that uh, you know Kraft Heinz uses a, uses a very specific blend of um, you know strain of tomatoes. That's a you know, hybrid of a couple different uh, types of tomatoes that, that are grown in the central California, and that's sort of how they get the the taste to to be what it is. And um, it seems like that's been a, just a really big differentiator of why that particular uh, you know, type of ketchup uh, tastes as, as, as good as it does. Uh, the next uh, item uh, I have on, on news is uh, Conagra. So Conagra is big CPG you know, brand that has a lot of household names, you know, Hunts, uh, as well as Orville, Redenbacher, you know, a number of, of others. They reported earnings yesterday. And the thing that stood out to me in their earnings report is, uh, is inflation. And um, you know, in recent quarters, they've talked about their cost inflation increasing about 2.5% uh, from the previous year. This past quarter, they just reported yesterday, 3.9%. So that's a that's a big you know increase going from 2.5 to 3.9 for uh, uh, an industry. You know, food and beverage they don't take a lot of sharp price increases. A lot of the the CPG companies will talk about price increases. You know, increasing less than one percent. You know, 70, 80 basis points a, a, a year, um, and, and so that creates a, an issue where you know they have to you know. Do something. If they have to find a way to uh, improve efficiencies in, in, in some other way, or take pricing uh, in order to, um, to to not to preserve their to preserve their margins. And then Conagra went into a little bit more uh, detail. They said that uh, materials up three percent, three percent inflation of materials, four uh, percent inflation in manufacturing, and then transportation and logistics costs. Those are up eight percent from uh, where they were uh, a year ago, and that's been the big. Uh, Delta, the big uh, you know, change um, in, in, in the, the, the guidance and expectations there with, with inflation. And then uh, included in that was uh, they spent an, an incremental $15 million in transportation and logistic expenses to increase its supply of products you know, to the stores, um, sort of get those you know, on the shelves you know, quickly. And um, you know, I think that's going to be a big theme as I watch the CPG space over the next year. Is you know some companies I think are going to be able to mitigate those that inflation you know better than better than others, um, and I read one analyst you know was talking about how um, because inflation is so widespread that um, you know it's going to force you know prices to prices to rise you know if it, if it was just in a certain area um, you know then then some companies might you know have have the luxury to to sort of keep prices where they where they are but. Uh, you know the the private label is probably you know likely to raise their prices you know sooner and then maybe that gives the national brands you know companies like Conagra et cetera uh, you know a chance to to raise you know prices um, you know, to have a little bit of a spread there between the the private label and and, and their prices but but certainly I think you know Conagra that I number two number two on the you know news um, highlights the the increase in inflation uh, I think that's going to be a big theme. As the companies report earnings uh, in April, third item I have is meat may be the most vulnerable segment uh, to consumers um, getting their old lives back and returning to restaurants. And uh, you know, sort of the, the reason for that, there was a, a study that came out. Um, you know, Numerator, which is a data company I had not heard of before, um, uh, maybe because I hadn't you know, followed uh, the industry as, as, as closely until now. But they they rolled out. Uh, Grocery, what they call the grocery vulnerability index, and so what they did is they looked at all the different grocery categories and they said, well, which ones are most vulnerable to a return, at least partially, to consumers' old habits, where they 
you know, eat fewer meals at home. They go out to eat a little bit more like they, like they used to. And they just decided that, that meat was the most vulnerable. It was about 50% more vulnerable than the typical grocery, you know, product. And, and, and the reason for that is, uh, you know, meat is typically what people, you know, get when they go out, they go out for a nice you know, steak or something. And, uh, it was something that, uh, you know, people filled their freezers up with during the, during the pandemic, the, um, you know, meat did a lot better than most, uh, grocery categories during the, um, you know, during the lockdown, actually in 2020 meat, uh, sales were up about 42%. I saw, um, so that was, that exceeds what most, you know, consumer packaged goods, you know, increased, um, you know, most of the companies that you know, had like a at-home consumer, you know, packaged goods segment, they said that their, um, their at-home was up sort of high single digits. And then the, the stuff that's for, for outside the home, that was mostly down like, like 30%, but, but, but meat did better than most. And so I think the idea is sort of what, you know, came up is likely to come down. The counterpoint to that would be that a lot of consumers plan to cook, uh, in, in a way that was, is higher than they have been, you know, before the pandemic that a lot of, you know, you know, consumers are, are getting sort of the hang of, of, of grilling steaks and, uh, you know, may continue to continue to do that. Um, I guess if you look at it, you know, sort of the opposite side of the coin, you know, sort of which CPG companies could really benefit from a return to, you know, consumers' old lifestyles. I think, you know, one area that stands out is milk. If you think about, you know, back a year, there was lots of milk that was just being, you know, dumped because it was, it was, it was spoiling and a lot of milk is consumed in places like, like schools. The fourth item I have here is General Mills, you know, the big, you know, CPG company that does you know, think of them as cereal. They do a lot of other things. Is, is also they're reducing their reliance on third-party manufacturers. So a third-party manufacturer is, is a manufacturer that's not uh, you know owned by the company. And what they did is they increased their reliance on, on third-party manufacturers when there was this surge in demand uh, for their products. Um, you know during the during the pandemic, and that capacity is much more expensive. It's associated with ten to fifteen percent. Lower gross margins um, for for on, on revenue that's that's manufactured you know externally, and so the idea is that they manufacture the base volume, the cereal that moves every day. They manufacture and then the surge, they use an external source, and that they can you know clearly will get rid of that external source uh, when um, demand starts to fall. But what's interesting is also an admission that okay, the, this elevated level of demand for things like product for like things like breakfast foods is not going to stay uh, that way for, for forever. Um, the fifth item I, I have on the list was one that you know came out. Uh, I think the Wall Street Journal broke this last night. Was uh, Procter and Gamble um, was uh, collaborating with a you know, Chinese uh, company. I think it was a Chinese uh, company that was affiliated with the government on a way to circumvent you know, Apple's uh, upcoming privacy restrictions. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. It's not really related to. Um, you know, transportation or, or logistics, but I didn't think it was, uh, you know, interesting that, uh, you know, how much uh, data they have captured. Uh, Procter & Gamble has digital portfolios on a whopping 1.5 billion consumers worldwide. I imagine that's everyone who is, uh, you know, listening to this. And then it's it sort of gets back to one of the more interesting stats I've, I think I've read is, is, you know, virtually everyone on the planet uses a PNG product in some manner or every day, it's, it's, it's kind of this maybe the most ubiquitous company, you know, in, in, in the world, but um, it'll be interesting to see if there's actually any pushback 
um, on some of the ways that they're capturing data. I mean, they would probably say, well, everyone captures, uh, you know, lots of data on their customers and uh, P&G, um, you know, because they deal in, you know, com- uh, you know, personal care items, you know, it's very specific to the person's gender, age, um, et cetera. So they, they really want to know exactly, you know, who they're targeting, but, but, but they're trying to have essentially a, a digital footprint that if you use a bunch of different devices, that it can all be sort of tied back to one person, albeit uh, anonymously, so they can uh, have, have uh, advertising that's very uh, specific to, uh, to, to, a, to a particular consumer. You know, seventh item, or their sixth item on the list is McCormick. Uh, I think we all know their, their, their spices. This company has brought back um, you know, about half of the suspended items. You know, it, it too had uh, you know was short on manufacturing capacity, and it brought back uh, about half of the items. So, so some of the items that they had to um, that they they stocked out of were were herbs, spices, recipe mix, you know, things that people you know clamored to when they were sheltering at home and wanted to, to cook at home. They they have made a lot of progress getting those items back on shelves um, and have a little bit more to to go. Uh, seventh item is Utz. Uh, uh, people in Baltimore know who Utz is. They bake salty snacks like uh, very delicious chips. They're extending their distribution in South Florida, acquired the distribution rights to expand there, and uh, are also doing more to convert uh, direct store delivery routes to you know, independent contractors. A little bit of a curious uh, you know, move because you know, the company uh, had, uh, you know, had sort of liked that direct uh, store delivery um, because because it allows the, them to interact more with the store level buyers um, and it gives them a little bit more control. So some of the themes, and I'll touch on these you know, quickly, I have a couple minutes left, is uh, there's been this, a big shift in the industry to plant-based diets. I wrote a report that I was just talking about on What the Truck, uh, you know, talking about my um, you know, experience and you know, test, taste testing some of the uh, products like the Impossible Burger which has a pretty good, um, you know, it's pretty good uh, mock-up of what an actual uh, hamburger, you know, tastes like. But that's been a major theme. Uh, lots of companies are rolling out products that are that are plant-based, whereas they would have been uh, animal-based before. Um, you know, at the, at the export, uh, you know, agriculture exports, I think is is one that's that's you know really growing right now because China is rebuilding its hog population, so lots of crops are being exported uh, out and. Uh, really, uh, you know, pet food is is a is a huge um, you know thing now with with people um, uh, adopting more pets. It's actually the the, the fastest growing segment um, at at uh, at Nestle, the, the world's largest food manufacturer. And then uh, you know ESG is a huge focus. And we have I do have one you know chart on intermodal savings if we have time, you know, for that, um, which shows the intermodal contract uh, savings, and it actually shows that uh, companies that move. Uh, you know, goods via intermodal uh, to the same three-digit you know zip that they would have you know, using a van. Uh, you can see in, in blue there. You know, save about twenty percent off their freight bill if they're using intermodal versus uh, truckload. This is from data that you know we've compiled from you know a, a company involved in uh, you know, freight freight transactions. And then in orange, I'm sort of comparing that to outbound tender rejection index, which is what we think of as uh, you know, being a good indicator of the relative tightness of the market. And, and so the, the idea is as the freight market tightens, companies can save a little bit more by moving uh, via, via intermodal. So I um, hope you can, uh, that's really what I wanted to go over uh, today. And next week, uh, L'Oreal, uh, the big you know, cosmetic giant, will report uh, earnings. And so plan to go over any takeaways uh, from that uh, uh, earnings report, as well as uh, anything else that you know, comes across the, the transom, um, you know, please sign up for my newsletter at 
www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout. And you can sign up for twice weekly uh, newsletters. But you know, with that, hope everyone has a, a great weekend and feel free to reach out um, with any topics that you'd like me to cover.